add my welcome to everybody this morning. I'm Dave, one of the leaders here. It's great to see you all. If you're a guest, as we've said, you're very welcome. And um, uh, it's uh, a privilege of mine to carry on this series of teaching that we've been looking at um, over the last few weeks. We've entitled the whole of the series the word move, and if you're visiting us this morning, you might, ah, oh, that makes sense, this is why these guys keep using this word move, and we've been talking about the whole thing of movement, because we thought God has spoken to us about this um, recently. And um, without going over the ground that's been covered already, for those of you that come every week, um, God speaks, he gives us wonderful promises, he gives us prophetic direction, that we believe God has been giving to us recently. And then when God speaks and he makes promises and he casts a vision before us, then we believe it's our responsibility to move towards it. It doesn't move towards us. And so we have the responsibility of doing some things when God speaks. You can't have God speak and then just sit passively by and wait for something else to happen. So... When he does speak or move or say something, and some of the words we've just had in the worship were kind of encouraging us along this line as well, the reality is that he does long for us to, get a, to make a move. So our responsibility is to get ready. Our responsibility is to get repositioned. Our responsibility is to make ourselves available. So week by week, since we kicked off this series entitled Move... Um, we have sought to present how God moves and then how we move. So, for example, last week James kicked off by talking about God's calling upon our lives. He speaks to us and he calls us, but he landed it with the fact that it's not in isolation. It's in a family that God calls us to join and be a part of. We can't make you be part of the family it's something that you then choose to do yourself. So the example is, God speaks, calls us, says it's about being part of a body that you fulfill these things, and then it's up to you and me whether or not we connect with that. So God speaks, he moves, he initiates, he prophesies, he gives vision, you respond. So I have a question, because you're already four or five weeks into this. How are you doing? Has anyone made a move? Has anyone thought about anything that was said? Has anybody thought, do you know what? Maybe this is something I can respond to. Response is massively important at any time in your life. It becomes even more important if you're in a season when God's asking for it. And you may have picked this up from me personally. I was preaching two weeks ago that I get nervous when God speaks. Not because he speaks, but because we might not respond. You got it. I even get nervous about rushing on to the next thing. I get nervous about going into a new series of teaching or just saying, well, that was last week and now we're off into this week. In fact, I have a, 
a slight nervousness that we probably hear almost too much sometimes that not, doesn't give us an opportunity to really take time to respond to what God's saying so we can move on. So I think responding to God, responding to him when he speaks, responding to his love and his compassion, responding is very, very, very important. Sometimes I, I chat to people and they say, I, I really feel convicted. <laughs> Good. But what are you going to do about it? It's one thing to feel convicted about something. It's another thing to then begin to do something about the, the thing that you've been convicted about. I won't ask for a show of hands, but if I did and said, how many of you are feeling convicted about this or that or the other, my response to your hand raise will be, come on then, if you're convicted, surely that's meant to cause a response to come in your heart. Two weeks ago, I spoke on the subject, it's time to make a move. God initiates, we respond. I used, I used the example of faith, that the Bible's full of wonderful things that God has said to us, but they're kind of just suspended in front of us until you and I take a step of faith. That's God, God's move, making all the promises. Our move is to respond by faith, and we respond by faith before we see the thing happen, but it surely happens because we have responded by faith, and God's a faithful God. Okay. So that's my burden about response. I hope it resonates with you and will live with you and irritate you for the next few weeks. Every time you hear God speak, you're thinking, am I supposed to respond? Are we as a church meant to respond to these things? Are, are people who do not respond to God when he speaks, individually or corporately, or are people that can miss the purposes of God? This morning, I want to speak for a few moments on responding to the Holy Spirit. We decided in this series we'd spend a Sunday looking at the work of the Holy Spirit. Because if we're talking about movement and people moving, then the Holy Spirit surely is a person who will help us to move into God's purposes. If you're thinking, how do I do this? Well, one of the answers is to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that he will help you to do the things that you can't do in your own strength. So if you have your Bibles with you, I just want to look at this passage in Luke chapter 11. It's well known to many of us, and it's in this context of responding. And um, <clears throat> there's so much in this passage. But I'll just pick it up from verse 9, Luke chapter 11, verse 9. And uh, Jesus is speaking, and he says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And, and I find in this passage of Scripture, this mixing of God moving and us moving, of God initiating and us responding, to be classically throughout this passage of Scripture. So verse 9 begins, I tell you, in other words, there's an invitation. 
Who initiates the invitation? It's not you and me, it's God. But who responds to the one who brings the initiation? It's us. So I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. In other words, you're not going to get it unless you ask. So Jesus says, I'm going to give you an invitation. All you've got to do in response is to ask me, and when you ask me, then I will give to you. But that's very important. There's another verse in the Bible that says you do not have because you have not asked. Those of you that have got children will know that if children ask you for something, they don't just ask once. Have you, have you noticed that? They, they go on and on and on and on. Asking, 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 asking. And then look at this verse. It goes on and it will be given to you. Seek. There's a response there. If you seek, what will happen? Well, God will respond to you and you're going to find it. Knock, something I do. I knock on the door and then it will be open. Verse 10, for everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be, he will be open to you. You see this, this journey, this parallel thing going on throughout this passage. It's so, it's so powerful, this passage. In this context of God's desire to give us many things and how we might miss it. Because we will miss it if we don't respond, respond, respond. I've got to do the asking. I've got to do the seeking. I've got to do the knocking. And the great news is, every time I, do, I respond to God, he immediately responds to me. Isn't that good? Don't you think that's quite good? I mean, it's not like you respond and nothing happens. It's like the moment you respond. If you will, I will. If you abide in me, I will abide in you. But there's ifs and there's questions and something for us to do. And one of the reasons that many, many Christians struggle through their lives is they're not responding simply to what God says. And this is all about the Holy Spirit. So it gets to verse 11 and we start this conversation about asking your father for something and him giving you something else. Surely that wouldn't happen. He says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would the heavenly Father, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And immediately that makes me think about when it comes to the things of the Spirit, my response to the Holy Spirit is really key to my experience of the Holy Spirit. He is not someone that just forces himself upon you. He's not someone that makes you do anything against your will. He is not someone who demands something of you that you are not willingly prepared to offer up that's just who God is it's what he's like it's what <clears throat> the Holy Spirit who is God is like so our response to the things of the spirit the way response is key to moving forward so here's the deal this morning I am not going to preach this sermon without a response what's the point of talking about response and not urging you to respond. So before this is out this morning, I'm going to hope, this is my, my hope, I've been praying about this all week, on snowbound trains to Liverpool, and just about got back, okay? This has been my prayer, that we will all kickstart a response to the Holy Spirit. Whatever stage of life and development we're at, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that before this morning's over, to just begin again this desire for a response. There's no, there's no point talking this morning about responding 
if we don't actually do it. So we're going to look for a moment or two about the Holy Spirit, and each time I want you to ask yourself, how can I respond to this? Is this me that needs to respond? Why has the Holy Spirit come? Why did God give us, as he said in this passage of Luke 11, he gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Why has the Holy Spirit come? Well, the main reason that the Holy Spirit has come is for power. It's impossible for you and me to live this life without him. So the song we were singing earlier in our worship is very apt. Can't live without you. That's true of the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has come to give us power to do three things. One, to be a witness. Whether that means speaking to people about Jesus, he gives us the power to do that. Or whether it's just, it's just being a witness to his resurrection. In other words, things have happened in my life and he gives me the power to be a reflection of what he's done through the resurrection, through the ordinariness of me and my life. This treasure is in an earthen vessel, in a jar of clay. It's power to display that. Secondly, it's power to overcome. So lots of things are thrown at us in life, and many of us come from backgrounds where we've got lots of problems and addictions and habits and difficulties, and we, don't, we know that we can't overcome those things. Well, the Holy Spirit has been given to you. There is nothing that the Holy Spirit does not have the power to deal with in your life. Hallelujah. And the third thing that the Holy Spirit comes to give us power for is just simply to live the Christian life. He's not optional. <clears throat> we cannot live without him. <clears throat> and if you are someone here today who is not yet a Christian, you may be on the journey and looking and watching, you, you may be thinking, well, if I become a Christian, how do I know I'll be able to keep up being a Christian? Well, it's frustrating because we who are Christians know that if you become a Christian, you meet a person and it's called the Holy Spirit. And it's not a case of, giving, of trying your hardest to keep up with Jesus. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he's the key. And, and, and the only reason people here today are going on in God is because they're depending upon the person of the Holy Spirit. So my encouragement for you, if you're not a Christian yet, is to become a Christian and find the power that you need in your life to follow Jesus. So the rest of us who are Christians, we already know that we can't live without him, but here's the deal, many of us do. Many of us don't respond. Many of us live this Christian life without dependency upon the Holy Spirit. Why do we do this? I think for two reasons. One, because we think we're okay. We think we're independent. We think we're strong enough. There's something in humanity that doesn't like depending on someone else. We think it's a weakness. There's something in me, it's pride, isn't it, that makes me think, I don't need to rely on the Holy Spirit. I can, I can get through this problem. I can handle this issue. Miserably, we find that we can't, but that's what we try. The second reason is what we're talking about this morning. We simply stop responding to the person of the Holy Spirit. And what I've discovered this week as I've been studying this passage, these passages about the Holy Spirit, there's hardly ever an exhortation about something to do with the Spirit that doesn't require a response. Isn't that interesting? Almost every time the Holy Spirit is mentioned, there is a need 
for us to respond so that we might experience him more and more. So what I'm going to do for these next few moments is just give you some examples of how this works. And the first one is your conversion. And so when you become a Christian, it's all that God has done through Jesus who died on the cross and rose again so that sins could be forgiven. But the reality is you need to, you can only become a Christian when you're born of the Spirit. And so we've already been said, well, he's not going to, you're not going to, no one's become a Christian against their will. You know, blow it, I became a Christian and I don't know how that happened. It's a real pain and I've got to live this life now for the rest of my life and I've got to go to church on Sundays even when it snows. This is terrible. It just doesn't happen like that. To be born of the Spirit requires me to respond. You can go on alphas. I know people being on three, four alphas. <laughs> they still haven't become, because they must respond. It's not an intellectual thing. It's something that comes from your heart. You respond. And you respond by repenting of your sins. And you respond by believing in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Secondly, there's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm just using these examples to, see, to show you how important it is for us to respond to the Spirit. The second one is the baptism in the Spirit. It's a promise to all people who are born of the Spirit. He will then give you the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In other words, he will give you the power that you need in your life. You will experience the coming upon of the person of the Holy Spirit to baptize you, to fill you, to overwhelm you. And... When you study, and we're not going to do this this morning, because I know a lot of you already know this, but when you study the Bible, you just see it's a gift. The Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a promise, I will baptise you, and it's a gift that you can't earn, it's just freely given. So if the response to conversion is to say, I believe and I repent, what's the response to the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Well, the response to being baptised in the Holy Spirit is to ask. And it's to then, by faith, receive. It's to be open. It's to realise, I'm a child of God. I qualify to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He will not baptise you in the Holy Spirit unless you come on those grounds. He won't baptise you in the Spirit against your will. It's up to you. He is faithful. He will give you the promise. All you've got to do is ask and believe. And I'm surrounded by Christians who are not yet baptised in the Spirit as if it's God's problem or there's something wrong with me. Both of those things are wrong. It's not God's problem you're not baptised in the Spirit or there must be something wrong with me. It's not on the basis of how good you are. It's on the basis of a promise. So what's missing? Response. It's the only thing that's missing. If you've not been baptised in the Holy Spirit, I've got some good news for you today. You will be if you respond. You say, please, Lord, I need. You say, well, they prayed for me last week and nothing happened. Nothing's changed. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. There are some things that God wants to give to us. He's just requiring a bit more response. Some of you know my own testimony. Six months. Almost every night I asked God to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And the longer he didn't, the more hungry I got. It didn't put me off. Why? Because I, the one revelation I'd had was that it's a promise from the Father and I'm his child. I absolutely knew that it was going to happen. So I just kept on responding. 
because God would never impose it against my will. Thirdly, there's this cry in Scripture that we should have the ongoing dependency upon the person of the Spirit. If you're saved and baptised in the Spirit, that's the beginning, not the end of the story. It's not about one past experience you had. It's about opening the door for you and me to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So in Galatians chapter 5, for example, we read this in verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 25 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So these verses are talking about walking by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, do not be drunk with wine, but be being filled with the Spirit daily. Now all of these words implies that I need to do something. All of these words imply that I need to walk. I need to live. I need to keep in step with. I need to ask God to fill me every day and to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It's so important that we understand that walking and living and keeping in step is not something the Holy Spirit does without us. We are not going to go on daily being filled with the Spirit unless we ask to be daily filled with the Spirit. I really want you to grasp this. There's a disconnect for some of us between what God tells us to do and us experiencing it. And the experience of it comes when we take steps of faith. When we begin to do certain things. Walking, living, keeping in step is something that we do. What's the response? It's a choice. Today I choose to live by the Spirit. Today I choose again to be filled with the Spirit. Today I choose to walk by the Spirit. Sometimes people say to me, Dave, one of the things I've noticed about you is you seem to be very passionate about the things of God and it doesn't seem to change. You just seem to be passionate. And you've been around a long time now. So that means that for decades of your life you somehow maintained being passionate about the things of God and wanting to experience God so much and so I'm actually asked by certain churches and at conferences to speak on the subject how do you stay passionate through the decades and the seasons of life I guess that I'm you know one of the people that can speak on it because there's not many of us around that have lived this long I have no idea whether what people are observing is true or not. It's up to them to make that decision. But if there is any truth in it, let me tell you that the answer isn't about me. The answer isn't that God loves me more than any other other person, because that's not a true answer. If there's one little key that I have learnt in my life over these decades, it's this. To keep passionate, to keep on living in God and receiving from him is to learn dependency upon the Holy Spirit. If you put me in a corner, it's the only thing I can think of. Well, maybe I have just learned this one lesson. I can't lift this on my own, and I want to respond to the Holy Spirit again and again, and I have found in my life that responding to the Holy Spirit, he then responds to me. And he is the one who even gives the passion to be followers of God. What about the fruit of the Holy Spirit? 
These are all evidences of someone walking and living by the Holy Spirit. So in Galatians 5.22, we all know this verse, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I think some of us think that's a very static thing, that we are filled with the Spirit and therefore we become these things. The reality is fruit is something that's grown. You prune fruit so that you produce more fruit. In other words, these things are experienced through walking through life and the things that life throws at you. And so if you're someone today who's going to experience uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it comes by walking. It comes by living. It comes by daily making choices. It comes by deciding that I'm going to live in the vine because I need Jesus. Another example, just very quickly, would be the word sanctification. Sanctification is a long word that means that when you become a Christian, there's a process of becoming more like Jesus, or if you like, becoming more holy. That's what sanctification means. Sanctification is a work of the Spirit. So if you're sitting here this morning thinking, I wish I was more like Jesus, and we do as well, (laughs) then the reality is that it happens, it can happen. And it happens as a work of the Spirit, not by you trying hard to be more like Jesus. So again, the response to the Spirit is not only to go on being filled and to walk and and to want this fruit in my life, but also to be sanctified. If you're someone here today that knows that sanctification is something that you'd love to see in your life more and more, then I want to really encourage you to respond to the Spirit. He's the one who will help you. Let me give you a couple of examples in Romans chapter 8. Um, and verse 5 says for we those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit for to set the mind on the flesh is death but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace it's kind of like setting your mind is something that you decide to do what am I going to think about today what am I going to ponder about today what am I going to give myself today if I give myself to the things of the spirit there'll be life and peace I become more like Jesus it's a process that goes on in my life Romans uh, 8 verse 12 so then brothers we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh for if you live according to the flesh you'll die but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body that's the sanctification process you will live So overcoming habits, overcoming addictions, overcoming wrong ways of thinking all happen by dependency upon the person of the Holy Spirit. Responding to the Spirit has wonderful, wonderful fruits and results. Why wouldn't you? I mean, we're painting this picture. Why wouldn't anyone in this room desperately want to respond every time there's an opportunity? And not just in the meeting, but through daily life. This isn't about responding just in the moment. It's an invitation for us to respond through all our lives. You make a move, he makes a move. You reach out and respond, he will will answer that response. How are you doing? Do you like me to stop right now? You should be feeling like that right now. Please stop. I want to respond. I want to do what you're talking about. I want to respond to the word of God. (coughs) 
Okay, a couple more points. One of the descriptions of the, the Holy Spirit is the helper. You know that. Again and again, the Spirit is described as the helper, your helper. In all areas of life. But in order for him to help us, we need to respond. You know, you can offer help to people, but unless they respond to the offer of your help, the thing they want to help you with doesn't actually happen. So a really lovely 80-year-old neighbor just next to us. Liz, Liz is very friendly with her and talks to her. I do as well, but she also talks to her a bit more often. So snow. Can't get out, can't do things this week. Liz goes and on more than one occasion makes an offer of help. But because our next door neighbour is British and doesn't take people saying, can we help you? She said, no. You know, can I get you some food? I'm going to the shops anyway. Why don't I just get you da-da-da-da-da? So all the... No, no, no. So the offer of help doesn't actually produce anything until the person says, yes, please. Her problem is she can't say yes. So all she's got to do is say yes. When it comes to the Holy Spirit being our helper, one of the areas we struggle with is we're just not saying yes, please. So you struggle with your prayer life. What's the answer? Well, pray in the Spirit. That's what the Bible says. So you ask the Holy Spirit to help you with your praying. Holy Spirit, please will you help me? I cannot pray today. But if you ignore the Holy Spirit and you struggle in your own self and strength, then you will not be able to fulfill these things. When it comes to understanding the Bible, to get revelation from the Bible, the Holy Spirit is standing next to you. <laughs> please let me help you. You know, Please let me help you read the word of God. Do not do this on your own. Respond. I am your helper. I've come to do this task. When it comes to worship, did you know you can't worship without the Holy Spirit? Jesus said worship in spirit and in truth. Holy Spirit, would you help me today to really worship you? And I can't think of any area of, the, of life where we don't need the work of the Holy Spirit to come and help us. He just want, he just, he's just longing for us to respond. It's kind of like, here we are living our Christian life. Here is the Holy Spirit sent for the very purpose to help us. And he can't do it. Why? Because we're not responding and saying, thank you. Please, would you help me? Help me at work. Help me in my marriage. I've got kids. I need you to help me right now raise these children. There are hassles and perplexities and problems in life. There are Christians that you're called to, to live with. Help me, Holy Spirit. I can't do this without you. So verse in scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Can we just put this up? Do not question the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold on to what is... Notice in those verses how much we are called to do. Do not quench the spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Has it ever occurred to you that one of the ways that I am quenching the spirit and grieving the spirit is every time that I ignore him. Why is he quenched? Well, it's because it's what's come to do. So I just get on and do it myself. He's, he's immediately 
impotent. He can't do the very thing that he's come to do. He's unable to do his work. So responding to the Spirit is really important because we don't want to grieve the Spirit and we don't want to quench the Holy Spirit either. Every time we ignore him, we're ignoring the helper. Please don't. Please respond so that the Holy Spirit can come. You respond, he comes. This is all about responding to the Spirit. Ongoing hunger and thirst for the things of the Spirit is vital. I don't know how you can listen to a word like this, other than if you're not listening. I don't know how you can listen to a word like this and just not be bothered. Thanks, I'm not bothered. It's not because you know, we're demanding something of you. It's urging you, longing for you as a Christian to no longer live in your own strength and your own power. Finally, there's the moving in the things of the Spirit. Don't know how else to describe it. The Holy Spirit's come to do lots of things and we're to move in the things of the Spirit. Take the gifts of the Spirit as an example. We will only begin to move in the gifts of the Spirit when we respond to being available for that to happen. The Bible says earnestly desire. He's not going to give you the gifts of the Spirit and you're not going to operate them unless you earnestly desire. Um, And also, uh, we're to step out before the gifts of the Spirit can start operating. I think I've got a prophetic word. Good for you. We have no idea. So how do I know you've got a prophetic word? You speak it. Thank you. That's a prophetic word that's really built me up. I think I've got a word of knowledge. I have no idea whether you've got a word of knowledge. So we had a few words of knowledge this morning about people here. You speak out the word, and it says you speak the word that the gift becomes operative. So there are many people that in this church who've been given the gift of speaking in tongues. How do you receive the gift of speaking in tongues? You speak. And then the Spirit gives you utterance. Some Christians are thinking the Holy Spirit's going to come along, move your mouth, move everything in here against your will. Ah, this is awful. I don't want to speak in tongues. Please stop. It's a million miles away from that. The gift is received as you respond by faith. I'm going to speak and then it comes. So I'm using this as an example of the importance of responding to the Spirit. Isaiah 61, that wonderful passage, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to preach good news to the poor. Can I just say to you this, I'm coming to a close, that this is not just a theological statement of fact. (laughs) You know, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, he's anointed me. How do you find out? You find out by responding. How do you heal the brokenhearted? You move towards them and you reach out with the love of God. How do you set the captives free? You put yourself in a position where you can play your part in seeing that person being delivered. How do you know whether this person is going to be healed of a physical disease? By going and praying for them and laying hands on them. How do you know that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you to reach the needs of the poor by getting your hands dirty and going doing something that will make a difference to people's lives. And every time you respond in one way or the other and make yourself available, I tell you, the Holy Spirit at that moment comes upon you. 
Some of us want to know more of the Spirit. You will know more of the Spirit if you're more responsive. If you keep responding, you and I are going to know more of the coming upon of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, I don't know whether the Holy Spirit is speaking to me or not. Then get to know the voice of the Spirit. You get to know the voice of the Spirit by taking time to get to know his voice, but also by tuning in so that you're able to receive from him. Amen. Responding to the Spirit. I'd love you to respond. I'd love you, not to me, not, not just to the preached word, but I'd love you to respond to the one that we're talking about today. Shall we stand? I want to, um, to really encourage you just to close your eyes just for a moment. And I'd love to just see this as a moment to kickstart something. I don't think this is about responding now and forgetting about it. I think it's about being willing to have a life. where we respond to the things of the Spirit. If you're not a Christian here today, you're looking at people around you that you know are Christians, and you're thinking, I'd I'd love to know this God. Then I want to encourage you today to make a move. I want to encourage you today to believe, to turn away from your sin in your life and find and you'll meet the you'll be born of the spirit you'll meet the holy spirit he'll help you he'll through it all i want to ask you if you're a christian here today please will you start today will you make the first move for some of you so i've never really moved towards the holy spirit And it can start for some of us by just admitting our need. I need you, Holy Spirit. Now asking that I might have a relationship with you and I might begin to depend upon you. Right now, the Holy Spirit is wanting you to ask, to seek, to knock. Right now, the Holy Spirit is saying, come on, I, I want to fill you. I want to empower you. I want to touch your life. I'm just looking for what kind of response there is from you. Do you know what? Sometimes it's as simple as body language. Don't put your hands in your pocket right now. For some of us, I, I don't know whether this helps you, but look, just... Even maybe for the first time, just reach your hands out like this. It's as simple as this. All over this room. Forget the person behind you. This is not about them, the person in front of you. This is about you. 